Hello everybody and welcome to the January 28th, 2021 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. Now, I, I want to start off by talking about something you guys might have seen. I saw it when I was watching uh, Fox News, a as I am known to do, as my regular listeners know, I am a huge Fox News fan. I love, I watch him every day. Uh, specifically, I was watching Harris Faulkner's new show, The Faulkner Forecast, when I saw her interviewing Janice Dean, who, if you don't know, is the senior Fox News meteorologist, on the topic of a new report that came out that shows that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo might have intentionally underinflated the number of COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes by as much as 50%. Here is what she had to say on this topic. Fox News senior meteorologist Janice Dean lost both of her in-laws to the virus last year while they were in separate elder care facilities in New York City. And it has been an emotional journey, Janice. We are on it with you. And now it is one filled with some damning facts. I don't really know what to say. I, when I saw the report, and I knew that it was coming probably an hour before it was released. Uh, I called my husband and I called my sister-in-law and I said that maybe the angels won. Maybe the angels will have their day in court and maybe this governor will be held accountable, Harris. I didn't want to be in this position. I'm not a political person, but my family was affected and I wasn't seeing the coverage. I wasn't seeing the questions being asked of this governor. He continued to pass the blame on everyone else and everything else. And he still, to this day, will not accept any responsibility. And there were lawsuits and there were journalists that wanted to do good and get those numbers for all of the families that deserved them. And finally, today, there is a ray of light. There is sunshine in darkness. And I thank this attorney general. I know that there have been thousands of families that have written letters and have wanted to have answers. And I'm so grateful on behalf of all all of them for giving me love and support because this is never a role I thought I would ever be in Harris but I'm so grateful today that justice might be served now yes you heard it here first people the angels have won but I must admit I was a little confused by this considering as previously established I am a big fan of the Fox News Channel and as such, have watched its nightly programming every night for a very long period of time. Including, on the July 17, 2020 edition of the Ingram Angle, when a person named Dr. Oski, or Oski, I'm still not sure how to pronounce that, a regular guest on the show, informed me, quote, Remember, we're paying bonus money to patients who are intubated for COVID and who are diagnosed as having COVID in the hospital. That's coming to hundreds of millions of dollars. I think so. The American people don't get cheated. Those hospitals need to be audited. Every single one, every single case. So you guys heard it here first. They're inflating COVID-19 deaths. We know that for a fact. Okay, okay, I'm done doing this stupid bit now. 
I did it for four minutes. That's the longest I thought I could do it. There, I've done it. Okay. Now, that was utter bullshit, by the way, if you couldn't tell. There's no evidence that doctors are intentionally inflating COVID-19 deaths to get money. But now we're finding out that actually Andrew Cuomo is underinflating COVID-19 deaths. Again, according to the reliable sources of the Fox News channel. And that's the big conspiracy theory now, I guess. And that was a big one going back months. You know, we were seeing this all over right-wing media outlets, Infowars, The Daily Wire, all of them. We're publishing these stories, giving examples of one-off situations where somebody dies with COVID in their system, but we later find out they didn't actually die of COVID. Um, and therefore, the entire death count is completely fabricated, and it's all one big Democrat hoax. I mean, the politicization of the COVID-19 death count is a Democrat hoax. The death count is fine, of course, despite the fact I think it's utter bullshit, apparently. I, I still don't know. It it's been almost a year. I think it's been over a year now. And I still have no idea what the politicization of something being a hoax even means. It's like that's not what Trump meant or something. Uh, who knows? Who knows? And this is what we heard for months. For months that it, the entire death count was being over-exaggerated. And now we're being told that actually uh, it could be up to twice the death, specifically in New York, by the way, specifically in New York, because it's run by a Democrat. That's what's going on here. It's overinflated when the numbers make Republicans look bad. It's underinflated when the numbers make Democrats look good. That's what it comes down to. That's, it's such an obvious game at this point. And mind you, the only reason why I'm even covering this at this point is because the narrative is so transparent and because this is an actual real story that's being completely overshadowed by the fact that we have to have these conversations in the first place. It is true, by the way, that Andrew Cuomo's nursing home policy in New York was an utter disaster. I don't even like Andrew Cuomo. I think he's been an overall pretty bad governor of New York, all things considered. Um, and they are right when they say that he's blamed so much of it on everyone but himself. He even specifically called it a hoax designed by the other party. Damn it, that was someone else. <laughs> but no, this is the same man who did say that he didn't have access to ventilators and then was able to give ventilators to other states and other things like that. And there are tons of things you can criticize Como for. And I will say that, all things considered, he has been very bad when it comes to handling COVID-19. But I I'm sorry, if you listened to that clip of the interview I played and didn't think Donald Trump just as much as you thought Andrew Como, you weren't paying attention. You bluntly weren't paying attention. But you know what? We could have even more evidence that Andrew Cuomo intentionally deflated the death count to make himself look good. Like a quote of him saying that, which thankfully, thankfully, I actually have. You guys ready? 
This is Andrew Caldwell, March 19, 2020. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic. Wait, did I say that was Andrew Como? Sorry, sorry, that, that was Donald Trump. And that was actually defended at the time. Listen to the archives, you don't believe me. When that um, first broke in September. Because he didn't want to create a panic. And by the way, as if... You know, people shouldn't panic, as if negative emotions are just inherently bad. <laughs> there are a lot of issues there. Now, is Andrew Como or was Andrew Como intentionally undercounting deaths of nursing home residents? I don't know. The main reason why I do not know is because I cannot trust the media reporting on this. It's really that simple. And we all know that if it were... What's apparently the accurate account, which is twice as high as the count Como gave us, it would be considered over-exaggerated almost immediately. New York already has more COVID deaths than any other state in the U.S., in large part because it has one of the worst population densities, or one of the largest population densities of any state, especially in New York City. And also because it's the second most populated state in the U.S. Um, but if they were to actually come out twice as high, it would be seen as a Democrat hoax. I mean, the politicization of it would be seen as a Democrat hoax. <laughs> and you know what? There'd actually be reason to believe that. Um, so essentially, what I'm getting from this is when the numbers are too high, it's a hoax. When the numbers are too low, it's a hoax. When are the numbers not a hoax, exactly? Can, can anyone give me that? What number of people could be reported for it to not be a hoax? You know, just, you don't have to give me the exact number. Give me a rough percent of what the death toll would look like in the U.S. if we remove all the hoax overinflating done by those dirty, dirty Democrats, and also all the hoax undercounting done by those dirty, dirty Democrats. Can anyone give me that number? I, I don't care what number it is. I just want to know. Like, give me a percent, and then we'll talk. Until then, I, to be blunt, I don't believe anything you say. Give me a consistent narrative of what's going on with the death toll. Or, or, just admit that you're looking for any reason possible to discredit it. Which is fine. Truth be told, when it comes to government, you should be looking for reasons to discredit them if you can. Um, that's kind of your job as a journalist. But be upfront about that. Be upfront about that. Don't sit here and say that, listen, I'm, I'm looking for the objective truth. No, you're just looking for things to criticize. Which is fine, but just openly say that's your job. Anyway, Special Envoy to Climate Change, John Kerry, gave a press conference yesterday where he made a very controversial statement. And I... I mean, wow, you have no idea how controversial this statement was. 
You know, he said that people out of work in the coal industry could theoretically work in other industries. I know, shocking. Let's let let's listen. Watching you both right now, who will hear the message that that the takeaway to them is that they are seeing an end to their livelihoods. Uh, what what do you say to them, particularly those people? Who, who President Trump struck a chord with on the campaign trail when he promised to save their jobs. What is your message to them right now? And also to the oil industry executives who are listening, are you putting them on notice today? Well, we didn't come here to put anybody on notice except to the seriousness of uh, President Biden's intent to uh, do what needs to be done to deal with this crisis, and it is a crisis. Um, with respect to uh, those workers, no... <laughs> No two people are more uh, in this room are more concerned about it. And the president of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to uh, grow the new jobs that pay better, that are cleaner. That I mean, you know, you look at the consequences of black lung for a miner, for instance, and measure that against the fastest growing job in the United States before COVID was solar power technician. The same people can do those jobs. But the choice of doing the solar power one now is a better choice. Similarly, uh, you have uh, the second fastest growing job pre-COVID was wind turbine technician. This is happening. 75 percent, 70 percent of all the electricity that's come online in the United States in the last few years came from renewables. Not, you know, coal plants have been closing over the last 20 years. So uh, what... President Biden wants to do is make sure those folks have better choices, that they have alternatives, that they can be the people who go to work to make the solar panels. They were making them here at home. That is going to be a particular focus of the uh, Build Back Better agenda. And, and I, I think that, that unfortunately workers have been fed a false narrative. No surprise, right, for the last few years. They've been fed uh, the notion that somehow dealing with climate is coming at their expense. No, it's not. What's happening to them is happening because of other market forces already taking place. And, and, and what, the, what, the, what the financiers, uh, the big banks, the asset managers, private investors, venture capital are all discovering is there's a lot of money to be made in the creation of these new jobs in these sectors. So whether it's green hydrogen, that is going to come, whether it is uh, uh, geothermal heat or whether it, whatever it's going to be, uh, those are jobs. The same worker who works in South Carolina today putting together a BMW, which happens to be made there and, and, and um, is currently an internal combustion engine, can put together a car, but it's electric. Um, now, apparently there's supposed to be something in that clip to be outraged by. I couldn't find it, and I checked. I, th I think the issue was that John Kerry just went on for a little bit. That's what I got. That's what I got. Uh, <laughs> now, listen, I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I do have sympathy for people who lose jobs in coal mining, for example, because of these policies. Okay, I want to make that clear. I do have sympathy for them. But with that said, the answer is not to just 
not do anything. It's to find a way to transition them from the coal industry to a clean job, just like what John Kerry was advocating for. And by the way, this has been happening for a very long time now. It's just a lot of people who are political nerds haven't really noticed it because it's not a government policy. John Kerry says that coal jobs have been declining or coal mines have been closing down for 20 years. Try a hundred years. You know, coal jobs have been declining in this country for decades on end, in large part because coal is just not a very good power source, all things considered. And, and it's really dirty as well, and we knew that for a very long time. In fact, the federal government has been subsidizing coal for decades. Did you guys know that? Uh, even during Barack Obama's war on coal, which never actually happened, I should note, uh, you know, we were giving coal unprecedented amounts of money. You know, we, there's all this talk about how much Barack Obama spent on Solyndra. I believe it was about, I think it was half a billion dollars. Barack Obama spent like five times that on a coal mining operation in India. Okay, there was never a war on coal. That's always been nonsense. And quite frankly, if there ever was, all the U.S. government would ever have to do is stop subsidizing it. The U.S. government gives coal subsidies and has for a very long time because it's considered to be a struggling industry. Same thing with ExxonMobil. Same thing with the oil industry. We give them subsidies. You know, all this talk about big climate Democrats, all anyone in the green movement has ever advocated for is redirecting those subsidies we're already going to give anyway and not giving it to coal companies and big oil and instead actually giving it to solar and wind and even nuclear and even nuclear, <laughs> even nuclear, which I am a supporter of. I do support nuclear power. Okay, I do. I do. I think it's good overall. Um, so just take a minute and think about what John Kerry is really saying and how little there actually is to it. Again, all he's saying is, hey, listen, coal jobs, you know, they're great and all, but it's kind of destroying the planet. So what we have to do is maybe make it so you're building something else or so you're creating something else or so you're working in another field you'll still have a job it'll still pay well it might even pay better just sorry we we might not it might not be in the coal industry anymore how dare he how dare he how dare he no this is a perfectly sane environmental policy this is a perfectly sane policy and again those coal jobs are not going to last much longer anyway We've already seen the decline in coal jobs again over a, for over a century now. Think about that. Just seriously think about that. And that's due to a variety of reasons, the biggest one of which being increased automation. So even if we were to continue subsidizing coal and we were to 
you know, not regulate them, there'd still be a decline in coal jobs because they're facing automation. People forget that as well. So now all John Kerry is saying is, listen, the thing that's going to happen, that's probably going to happen anyway, let's like do that all at once. There'll be some pain. We'll get over with pretty fast. And then why not specifically make it so those people are making something that's actually green, actually good for the country? Why not do that? Oh no, how dare he? That liberal elitist wanting us to be able to breathe air, not wanting our entire planet to be destroyed. <laughs> how dare he? How dare he? That is, can't advocate for that anymore. Sorry, buddy. Oh no, 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 John Kerry, you can't do that. Anyway, last thing for tonight. This is just such a bizarre article that the fact it exists is kind of worth covering. This is from The Federalist, um, written by a guy named Tristan Justice, who I've never heard of. The headline is, Trump's failure to pardon Martha Stewart is a national disgrace. I just want to really think that someone would write that article. You know, just imagine sitting there. This guy probably writes articles daily like I do. And hey, sometimes writers block and hit. But you're just sitting there thinking, who? what am I going to say today? What am I going to say to impact the world today? Donald Trump should have pardoned Martha Stewart. I I'm not even, I'm not even reading you any of the article. Um... So, you know what? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I have to read you a little bit of this just to make sure you guys know this is real. Joe Biden is president and Martha Stewart remains a felon. In a world of unjust consequences, President Donald Trump was kicked out of office by fewer than 50,000 votes across three tipping point states. A slimmer margin than in 2016, losing a race rigged by corporate tech oligarchs colluding with a corrupt media apparatus to ensure a Biden victory in November. If the world seemed oddly reversed in 2021, that's because it is. Trump spent the final two months in office on a crusade to make right all the wrong wrongs, placing pressure on Republicans to overturn the presidential election. Wait a minute, I thought Josh Hawley just told me that's not what he wanted to do while handing out the clemency along the way to individuals unfitting of the gift. No, the election wasn't fair, but it also wasn't exactly stolen, and Steve Bannon didn't deserve a pardon. Of the 158 pardons Trump did issue between November 3rd and Inauguration Day, however, Trump got many of them right, commuting lengthy sentences of several nonviolent drug offenders and granting a full pardon to former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who got caught in a perjury trap orchestrated by former FBI director James Comey. If Trump really wanted to accomplish true justice on the way out, however, the outgoing president would have given a full pardon to another target of Comey's corrupt ambitions, Martha Stewart. Dun, dun, dun! Um, somebody took time to write an article defending Martha Stewart. I did not think I would see that in 2021, but you know what? We're learning all kinds of new things this year, and you guys can continue to learn with me.
So that's all for tonight. I just want to tell you that, yes, this article does exist. And it was published yesterday. Not 2004, yesterday. That's it. That's it. I am Ephraim, and good night.